Hi and welcome. My name is Ali Hart and I am the host of this podcast and you're listening and watching How to Build a Creative Business in a Noisy World. I really hope you enjoy the episode. And we are in the middle of the Hindsight series, which is a series where I am just really enjoying spotlighting people, their stories, people who are making waves in the creative industry, outside of the creative industry, and just who engage with people and who I wanted to highlight and to share their story with you. So today we have Emma Blee. Hi, Emma. How are you? I'm good. So Emma, tell us where you're joining us from. So I'll just give you a little bit of background with my my connections with Emma. I first met Emma, well, we're another um, one of the internet's uh, great friendships, I guess, but uh, via the Church of Ireland Gazette, which I know is one of the many roles that you have as editor there. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom has worked there for a long time. So that she's in the... um, the north of Ireland sector of that Emma's down Dublin and then also um well one of the kids the kids were on the workshop is that right as well and then you were on my workshop too I did I did your stag workshop yeah with some of your friends which is with some of my friends yeah it was great to we were in different houses but we were all together yeah but if you could give us a little bit of a if I was to say to you uh hi Emma give us a roundup of what you're at right now could you do well, what I do, I do a few different things at the moment. I am, as you said, I am the editor of the Church of Ireland Gazette. So mm-hmm. I took over that role in September last year. So when things were not quite level five, but, yes. but level three. So it was a it was a funny time to take over such a job, but a great time as well. So um, I, am, I am editor... Sorry, that's the dog whining in the background. Okay. <laughs> um, Better than the children. It's probably good to clarify. I children. know, I know, I know. And um, sorry, Ali, do you mind that's if okay. I grab her? Of and course, then... yeah. yeah. Roxy's going to join. Is she only small? She's only small. She's about uh, seven months old. Oh, so she really is tiny. Okay, yeah. so do you want to even start? I'll start again. Yeah. yeah, go for it. So I, yeah, so I am the editor of the Church of Ireland Gazette and I'm based here in Dublin. And the Gazette is um, like the Church of Ireland and All-Ireland, um, representing oh. all of Ireland. So um, Ella's oh. up in the north and I'm down in the south. And um, it's, a, it's a great publication. It's It's... It's got a massive history. It's over 150 years old, so it's a real privilege to be to be in this position. Um, and I'm I'm loving every minute of it. And that um, is sorry to interrupt you. So that sorry. for anybody, because of quite a few people in the states as well who listen. So yeah. that is like a church magazine, but it's a lot bigger than just a church, isn't it? It's like a yeah, yeah. It's it's for it's for the clergy and the laity in in okay. of the Church of Ireland. That's who it's aimed for. So it's um it's full it's it used to be a, a weekly newspaper mm-hmm. but in the last couple of years it changed to a monthly magazine so okay. my background would be in newspapers and magazines um so i i used to work for the sunday independent wow yes yeah and i worked on life mag there which was my favorite ever job so um so the gazette working on the magazine is brilliant for me because it's it's what i know and it's also the community I know as well. So it's a really enjoyable, um, enjoyable job. Um, and my other, my other um, role is a politician. 
Yeah. So I am a county councillor, so local politics, really. Um, so I, re- I, I represent um, the local area called Glencullen Sandyford in Dunleary, West Down. Okay. So um, I've been doing that since 2016, and I was re-elected then in 2019. We had our most recent election. So, And there's really so much in that, because following you even online, and then I guess because of lockdown, I'm sure it's shifted the role and the engagement, or just how it all works. Is that fair to say? Or Yeah, very much so. I mean... It's it's been a funny year election wise because I had the big election campaign of 2019 and then we had the general election last year and I wasn't running in the general election but a lot of my friends were so we were out knocking on doors which seems extraordinary now but uh, Mm -hmm. canvassing and and having public meetings and you know having chats on people's doorsteps and being invited into people's houses to talk to them that was 12 months ago like Mm -hmm. the a friend of mine today is the anniversary of when he was elected last year so we were doing all of that and then the pandemic hit um yeah. straight after that um so it's been and it's, people look to their politics you know the local politics i i feel we even moved house here and uh there was something to do with the bins or something to do with i think crowds being around here because we're close to the coast and you look to your local politicians as well and I guess one of the ways to communicate is online a lot of that time yeah and that's been uh, that's been growing for years now so in many ways a lot of that hasn't really changed okay you have to be accessible on your phone 24 hours a day that's just what people want and expect from you you have to be accessible on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and everything else um so that part of it hasn't changed but in this country it's the same in the north and the south i think that people like to know their local politicians yeah. or, or any politicians so, such an irish thing isn't it for yeah, us to yeah so they want to they want to invite you into the house and have a chat or they want to meet you at the you know at the local shop and tell you what's going on so that part of it has definitely changed, but okay. it's been nice to be able to to connect with people in different ways, I guess, which is what we're all trying to do at the moment. Great. Um, and one of the other things you forgot is you're also a mum too. It's another just little, you know. Oh, that's just another little, your busyness. Yeah. Another, another little side adventure. Yeah, I have a, a five-year-old girl and a seven-year-old boy. So, so my um, other role at the moment is I hate to say homeschooling because emergency schooling I don't know emergency schooling or blended learning but both of my sisters are primary school teachers and one of them's in England and one of them's in in Dublin in the school that my kids go to actually so um I'm really appreciating I was gonna say do not just set them up on zoom full tilt I would be like just go in there and speak to your auntie I know well it's very handy because my sister teaches the class that my son Hunter is in she teaches the other stream of it so yeah Anytime I'm stuck on any maths problems, which are quite frequent. Always with me. So there, yeah. is it Tilly and Hunter? Tilly and Hunter, yeah. Oh, great yeah. names. Are they named after anybody or anything? Or no, just... not really, no. Tilly names. Tilly was is christened Matilda, uh-huh. um, but she's never been Matilda because there's only 20 months between the two of them. So when she was born, Hunter Matilda, so it was always yeah. going to be Tilly. So, yeah. um, and yeah. just 
for people that are listening to the podcast rather than watching behind Emma there are her paintings you have a real creative side to you as well but do you want to even well do you can tell us your story about how you got to where you are now and I guess you're going to talk about the publication and editing because all yeah. of that is is an art in itself I feel like the planning like the moving about um another thing I forgot to say was we had a Christmas competition in the Church of Ireland because then there were hundreds of entries yeah in yeah um, and it was a, for the kids to have the cover um and emma kindly asked me to write a piece about creativity and kids and i was telling um my mom about how i just i just couldn't get it and i gave it to emma and she's like don't hope you don't i said please do whatever you need to do to change that round and the way you like just changed so obviously that i feel i feel there's a lot to be said in that in creativity and writing and editing so can you give us a little bit of a background of how you got to where you are now yeah, sure. Um, I, I think it all started when I was in college. I went to UCD here in Dublin okay. and um, I studied. So my two big loves have always been politics and, and writing. Okay. So I studied politics in UCD and I was incredibly lazy for my first three years, four years even. Standard, and then I, I think. Standard. Oh, I was so lazy, so lazy, scraped through everything. And uh, anyway, I went on to do my master's there in politics. Okay. And I said, right, well, I actually have to do something constructive and do something about what I want to do for my future career now. So I got involved with the, um, the college paper. Okay. I started writing for the University Observer there. And um, I was doing ma- mainly news pieces. Right. and that kind of thing and um, then because of my um, involvement in politics I was able to get um, a couple of interviews in a particular okay. edition with the leaders of the opposition right at the time and the way things were I think things always happen for a reason so I had a, an interview with it was Enda Kenny and Pat Rabbit who were the, both the leaders of the opposition at the time that issue turned out to be a really controversial issue because of something else that had happened in in that paper. It doesn't student papers don't normally get the attention of of national newspapers, yeah, but this yeah. one did, and it landed on all the desks of the national newspapers. And that same week or month, I happened to be at the Student Media Awards and met people from the Sunday Independent who had read my interviews. Okay. Um, with the leaders of the opposition because that paper had landed on their desk and they gave me the opportunity to start writing for them so I started writing for the Sunday Independent while I was doing my ma- uh, my thesis for my master's um, <laughs> hey, that gave a kick up your backside then it no did problem. it did I tell you my thesis suffered but my career didn't so I, I still got through it all and uh, my thesis probably could have been better but I, I ended up in the end of for I think it was five or six years in the end and loved every minute of it. Right. And it was uh, it was at the time when, um, you know, it was the Celtic Tiger and everything else. So it was a completely different world than now. But it was just it was brilliant. And um, what was I going to say about? Oh, yeah. So sorry. I started in news and then I ended up being the picture editor of the magazine and and doing a lot of feature writing for the magazine and interviewing lots of interesting people like, uh, well, I think actually it was for a different magazine. I ended up interviewing Kylie Minogue in Paris, which was probably the most wow. famous person I ever yeah. yeah. Do you have a photo of that now? Do we, I suppose not. Uh, it probably been phone. Was it, when was this? 
Uh, this was uh, oh, like 15 years ago, probably. Yeah. But it was it was amazing, and I remember telling her when I interviewed her that I had written her a fan letter. I I probably wrote two fan letters in my life, and one of them was to her. To be her. And I got a letter back, and I told her that I'd written this to her, and she told me it was a group of ladies she had in the south of England somewhere that were applying to everything. So she was so thrilled and I got a big hug and it was like, that's Isn't that nice. beautiful? So she had a wee yeah. squad of people. Yeah. Yeah. I love Kyla. I still am a big fan. I know. She was amazing. And we got a private little con- uh, concert in uh, some really cool club down by the Seine. It was amazing. So yeah. that was then early, that was 2006, sort of, because just because I'm 15 years married, that's what made yeah, me think Yeah, so around about, well, probably, yeah, around about then, I'd say, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking rough timelines in my head, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so when I left the Indo, um, the time that I left was when everything was sort of changing in, in print media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they, the company basically made half of the staff redundant. That was about 150 people redundant. And that was the first of all that, okay. those big changes in print media. And I think I was the last person out of that lot to leave. So um, I was devastated at the time. Yeah. But I ended up freelancing for loads of other. Oh, great. So you then were able to, and then because of, I guess, you'd sort of established, you were able to yeah. be on yeah. people's like, radar. Yeah, but it's still a, like what well, you know now, yeah, working for yourself. It's yeah, yeah, and it wasn't really for me. I couldn't. I don't have that self discipline. But yeah, uh, well, also because you're the one. Uh, I often say to the mentoring any students or people like sometimes because you're the one that's to find the job and then seal the job and then make sure you organize for the job and then yeah. turn up for the job and yeah, then exactly the job and get the invoice for the job. Sometimes yeah. it's just like a lot. Yeah, yeah. And get, getting the payment in the end of it is sometimes the biggest struggle. So Yeah. I'm wondering when you're saying something independent there, this is where I'm dreadful, right, with knowing yeah. things. But I did a painting to celebrate the 100th anniversary, was it? 50th anniversary of the Telegraph. I should know this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it, w- it was really cool to do. But I had to, like, get um, – I basically had an interview with – I think the Irish Independent, do they own them now? Do they own them? Yeah, it's part of the same group. Yeah. yeah. So I had an interview, like I had like three different Zoom calls with like somebody in France, somebody in England office, somebody in, in Dublin. Yeah. Um, and and I, all my communication was really through there, which was really interesting. Yeah. And even uh, now the guy that's in France, uh, he was the one, Mark, Mark Odie, Mark Odie or something, Odie, anyway. That's okay because I I said I said something in one of the interviews about how my dream is always to be in the Irish Times magazine, and he was oh, like, yeah. "I'm going to cut this call right now. You're done." <laughs> yeah, don't mention the opposition. No, no, um, brilliant. So that brings you up, to, and then you had the kids. Then so the oh, so that well, there was an intervening um, path then. So um, like I said, the the politics had been, you know. A big part of my life as well yeah. um so I actually took up a job in Fine Gael headquarters so Fine okay. Gael is the party that I, I represent now so um there was a job as a press officer going there and like I said I wasn't you know this whole self, self-employment thing wasn't yeah. really <laughs> my bag so I took that up it was for Dublin press officer and it was a paternity leave cover 
and I was still able to freelance at the same time, which was, you know, I didn't have kids at the time. It was, it was grand. I was, it was full on, but it was, it was great. And then um, that evolved into a totally new job, which was as a digital, the digital press officer, the digital officer of the party. And this now was at the time when digital media wasn't any part of politics really here. So yeah. I, like I set up the whole, the Fine Gael Twitter account and Facebook and mm. YouTube and worked on the website and all of that. So that was the start of, that was probably about 2009, the start of the whole, you know, new way of, of, of yeah. campaigning, um, which was really interesting, um, but also completely different to how it is nowadays. I mean, there was no... I, I listened to, to, they had something on primetime last week and they often have talk about, you know, um, people who are moderating sites and the, the toll it has on their mental health when they have to filter through these things. Mm -hmm. Back then, there was no such, there was no such filter. So I was looking at, I was going through our Facebook site, which was representing the party and the mm -hmm. amount of horrible messages that you would have to see and sift through and uh, I remember there was a particular, I think it was, I can't remember which group of society it was, but uh, energized themselves to have an attack. And it was just horrible stuff because you couldn't, you couldn't filter it. There was filter it, no yeah. proper filtering then. So um, thankfully, a lot of that has, has changed. But, um, and is the way, just this again is, is um, a bit of ignorance around politics. And it's really interesting because a friend, Claire Kelly, who's also a therapist I had on, and I, I've known her for years and didn't realise that she had studied politics and, and definitely seems to stick with you. But what, um, is there then like a number of positions in a political party that, like as in you fill those roles, but it's probably not seasonally there, is it? Is it just all year round? In the organisation? Like, yeah, so in Fine Gael, would you, you had that role and that's like, so does it peak at certain times of the year? Well, obviously election time and things, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be busier at certain times, yeah. Okay. Um, um, but your so, role is like a specific role and then there's other people employed within There's the other party. people, yeah, who would be, like any kind of organisation, I guess, in some ways there's, you know, a fundraiser and there's different, you know, mm -hmm. office administrator, there's people, somebody in charge of the youth wing of the party and all that. Sort okay. Of so um, mine was a new role at that time. And then um, it was it was building and, and changing. And then we went into the 2011 general election, which was the craziest time of my life ever, I think, because <laughs> it was uh, it was a big it was so Fine Gael had been in opposition for years. We were trying to get into government. So we had a big push to try and, and make this happen. And our digital campaign was, was massive. So I, right. had a, I had a big team of volunteers in, in headquarters. They were mostly students. And we were trying to help every candidate in the country with their social media and doing different campaigns online. And we were working, honestly, 24 hours a day. There were, there were some wow. nights I didn't go home. We were eating Chinese takeaway on the table. It was, it was crazy. Um, like you would imagine a wee bit. It's like kind of yeah, like, yeah. Imagine what was that TV? What was one of the ones? You know, and 
uh, or it, you know what it's actually so stupid but um this is us did you watch it oh uh, yeah i watched the- <laughs> i know it's not the same yeah. level but you remember um i can't remember what the, what the brothers called who was who ran for the local election but it was that thing of just everybody in the office yeah for like energy call yeah. all happening so all that which wouldn't really be it wouldn't have been the normal way for Irish politics. Like I say, it's usually, <laughs> yeah. you know, parish faiths and doing that kind of thing. So it was a real departure. But um, like it worked in the end, we we got into government. Um, we're still Super. there. So, yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing I was texting Emma about last week is that my um, sister-in-law, Aoife, her dad, Jim Mitchell, um, and then he's passed away now, but he was Lord Mayor, wasn't he? Was he, was he was at one stage, yeah, and he was a TD, and yeah, yeah. And he was and, his, and you knew him yeah. when you were at his funeral, which is... Yeah, yeah, I know, it's such a small world. So she said to say hi, because yeah. she couldn't get over all this. She was like, so many connections. <laughs> yeah, and well. his brother ran for President of Ireland as well. That was in 2011. There you go. Yeah. I probably should have known that. I'm sure at the time I did. I think my, I had um, I had Tobias in 2011, so my head probably wasn't in any game. That's oh, it. no, I know. Yeah, you, <laughs> you tend to block out this one. I did really? tell you about the other election I ran in last year. That was, Yeah, tell us that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I missed so this is for you, bit. you as a politician. This is for this me is as a politician, yeah. Yeah. So we had our general election and I wasn't a candidate, but after the general election, the way it works here, is there's the elections for the Senate. Yes. So the Senate is the upper house. And honestly, I can't explain how the the election happens because it's so complicated. But basically... Okay. Give it in basic, layman's terms to me. <laughs> yeah. So bottom the line upper house, is... I get upper house, right? Yeah. And then. yeah. It's a, so the way that candidates are elected there is you have to get... There are different panels and you have to get nominated to be on a panel by having some kind of expertise in a certain area, but that's another level. So basically, county councillors like myself would generally run for the Senate elections or people who ran in the general election and weren't successful. Okay. The electorate is not you and I, normal people voting from their houses or at their polling stations. The electorate, the people who vote for these candidates are other county councillors and... TDs and senators. Right. Okay. So you are working within a really small pool of people, and yeah. then within that pool of people, the only people you can expect to vote for you really are people of your own party, okay. because people from a different party aren't going to vote for you if no. you're representing them. So you have to basically get in your car, travel around the country, and knock on the doors of all your fellow county councillors and TDs and senators and ask them to vote for you. Right. So this happens in people's living rooms, in pubs, at the side of the road, <laughs> at uh, in hotels. It's just, it's the craziest. So people were camp- coming to you as well to do the same Don't, thing. No, I. They well, they would have if I wasn't on the road. Okay. So you'd ring. You'd just say, okay, today I'm going to go. I'm going to do Carlo. And you'd ring on the phone on the way down and say, hey, Ali, um, I'm, you know, I'm running in the Shannon elections. Can I meet you for a chat and tell you why I think you should vote for me? So, um, but again, yeah. was it? Uh, it was, it was a brilliant experience. Yeah. Um, but I remember that then it really did happen because it was a bit later than the general election. The pandemic really hit in the middle of it. So all of a sudden, 
we were in lockdown and we couldn't leave the house. So half of my campaign was done from my front living room, calling people in who had never met me and asking them to vote for me, which is really impossible. <laughs> a Twitter message, like a DM? A twi- well, yeah, just having a chat. Could you remember- follow me so I can DM you? And then I know, you- yeah. I do remember the last night I was on the road and I was in Cavan and I've taken my mom with me. So she came on a lot of the trips to keep me company. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm terrible with directions, so I just used my Google Maps. Yeah. I took a wrong turn. So we ended up on these back roads in Cavan at midnight with the snow. You, you couldn't see your hand toward your face because of the snow and got home at about 2 a.m. that morning. And that was the last night that we were out on the road. Wow. Do you know what's lovely, though? Um, I I think it's really nice to hear. You always know that people are real people, but it's nice to know that politicians are real people and you have to pick up the phone and do all those things that, you know, it doesn't just happen. No, no. And I'll tell you, the people that I, the people that I met on that, even though it was a lot of traveling and a lot of, you know, landing on people who might not want to see you, the you just get such a warm welcome from everybody, mm-hmm. even though yeah. they might vote for you, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I think that the nicest evening I had was that same night in Cavan, and it was in this lovely man's living room, and his wife went and made hot cheese toasties at Can 10 o'clock at night in front of her. I was like, this is amazing. This is the first food I've had in about two days. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, so there's obviously a lot of momentum with that too, but you've deadlines to take it for everything, for all campaigns, all yeah yeah and then um like I obviously wasn't elected then um, which mm-hmm. was grand it was a it was a an amazing experience um and I would do it again mm-hmm. um but um when it came to it no I, I didn't get elected and nor did any other women from my party which was the real the real um disappointment about that oh, election yeah. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't so much disappointed that I didn't get elected, but I was really disappointed that our yeah. own party didn't elect any of our own female mm-hmm. candidates. So um, that's kind of changed my um, drive in a way. I want to, I want to, you know. Yeah. Well, then I guess everything happened for a reason. It's like, I suppose if that hadn't have happened, then you wouldn't feel like that either. So the landscape's obviously very different on a day-to-day. Do you, how do you split your jobs then um, day-to-day? Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> because I see that at the minute you're on, like there's a lot of um, meetings at night. You have a lot of meetings with. Yeah. Yeah. So most of my council meetings would be at night, which is grand after five o'clock. Um, so by that stage the kids have kind of done their work so Mm -hmm. I can put them in front of the tv or give them a paintbrush and that's fine um the my gazette work I tend to do sort of throughout the day okay and at the weekends and I just I don't have I'm not organized enough to have a structure because I think it's impossible with the kids being at home it is you know when they're in school what I do is I do my gazette work in the mornings Mm -hmm. when they're in school then I do my council work on the fly you know talking to people answering emails Mm -hmm. having the set meetings in the evening so it's much more structured then but at the moment it's like and do you miss like the pardon me the pandemic that's why I call the hindsight so like how do you deal with like even your fellow councillors and different people, I take it you don't 
see anybody either. It's hard going. Oh, now, in fairness, up until Christmas, we were still having monthly meetings. Yeah. And we were having them in the old ferry terminal in Dunleary, socially right. distanced. Yeah. And even though the building, you know, you can imagine it's an old ferry terminal, the ceilings are so high, freezing. it's freezing cold. <laughs> yeah. You're sitting there with like, and normally we'd be given, you know, hot food before a meeting. So we were having a bottle of water and a stale bicky at our yeah. desk. Um, but it was still really nice to see people and we could go for a walk in the pier afterwards. Um, so yeah, we can't do that since level five. Yeah. And I do, I do miss it. I really do. I do miss talking to people, you know, bouncing ideas off people. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, you know, we'll get Because you are very positive. I think you're very positive in like how you come across with, um, even as, as a politician, do you find that that is something you've had to, or is, it, is that just your natural? Yeah, well, I, t- I guess I, I, yeah, my kids mightn't say I'm so positive. <laughs> But yeah, I think, uh, you know, I have my moments. I think, you know, there's been days when I've just literally said, right, I'm just watching, I'm sitting in front of Netflix and that's all I'm doing and I'm not yeah. going to talk to anybody. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody and I'm just going to have a glass of wine and watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you have to be. I, I know. You have to try um, and be positive and do things like, you know, I've been trying to, do things that are a bit different I've taken uh, you know I play the cello so I've taken out my cello again for the first time in years and the kids are learning piano now so that's been something different to you know help them with and get them focused on did you see the uh, guy in west of Ireland who's playing the cello I did yeah yeah so beautiful him and his dog yeah yeah, cello Hunter wants to take up the cello now, but I don't think I could cope with teaching him something else. Yeah, I know. Work on piano. Your sisters couldn't do that, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no. Brilliant. And then what, so I always like to ask people as well, like uh, because this is essentially for um, people who are thinking about creativity in any format or just stepping out. Some people are, you know, in a full-time job and just would rather, I think lockdown has shifted a lot of people's perspective or just think about what did I want? Like this life, one life, can't go anywhere to escape any of the, the crap, you know, you're kind of in the middle of it. Yeah. Do you, how would you, do you have any advice on how to deal with fear? Cause you're talking about turning up on people's doors or ringing, you know, that just even driving navigating as simple as that or just life in general do you have any um tips on dealing with fear dealing with fear so uh, i think um it's something that i have learned to deal with as i've got older so mm-hmm. i've been a, a counselor for um since 2016 but i i was first asked by the party to run when i was about 23 right um and at the time I was, I was too terrified to do it because I felt, and this would have been something I think that I probably would have felt as a, as a younger adult a lot. I was afraid not to know the answer. Okay. I was afraid if somebody asked me a question, I didn't know the answer that I would be exposed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was afraid that if I didn't know everything about what I was supposed to know, that, um, that, 
you know, I would fail and people would laugh or, you know, they wouldn't vote for me or they'd think I was too young or whatever. And I think that that's something that you definitely learn as you get older, mm-hmm. that you don't have to know the answer to everything. You don't, you know, we learn all our life until until we die. So, you know, mm-hmm. everything is about new experiences. If you don't know the answer to something, you ask and you find out. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a bad thing not to know everything. If you if you know everything about something, then it's incredibly boring. So yeah. um, learning is part of life, I think. Totally. And I was listening to something yesterday and they were saying about um, something, you know, uh, they were asked something whenever they were 21 or whatever. And she said, it wasn't that I didn't know how. It was like, I was a baby. <laughs> you know, you're yeah, young yeah. whenever we're, because I think about that now and think about how, Mike and I were married whenever I was 23 and I thought I will never get through and I'll never be able to build this creative, but granted it one step at a time, but you're right. Not knowing everything would be, or, or knowing everything would be boring. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so that, swimming as well, you do a little bit of the open water swimming, don't you? Oh, no. Do you know, I only swim when I'm in Donegal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, fine. that's fine. Yeah. I wish I would do it here, but I, do, I, I don't. Um, so my dad's from Donegal and we, we go up there quite a lot and yes gorgeous yeah gorgeous and it's just beautiful yeah and um, are you reading anything at the minute do you know um, this is terrible I was reading so much and um, and my mother gave me a tv for my bed <laughs> brilliant oh great so you can just I oh know that's Netflix. yeah are you watching anything then do you know what I'm in the middle of watching is um the Queen's US Gambit. office which is really old oh yeah yeah it's very funny though, but isn't I it? can't get away from it but the, but the last book I have to say which I finished a couple of months ago it's terrible I was so good um American Dirt right don't know it um it's amazing okay it's about this family who um moves across the border right from Mexico and their their journey about okay moving across. it's a very it's, powerful title isn't yeah it? yeah yeah it's it's okay. brilliant um also you're saying about not reading anything but it's because every day merges into the next one merges into yeah. the next week <laughs> it's nothing yeah different. yeah but I was really good and I just have to t- I have to unplug and I you know I haven't had a tv in my room for in my bedroom for years because of that because I would end up just <clears throat> falling asleep watching something so did you watch the queen's gambit or queen I did it was very yeah. good we just yeah. finished that yeah I was Amazing. really surprised how much I like that one, actually. Me too. Because <clears throat> haven't Michael, taken up chess, though. Yes, no, no. <laughs> Michael Michael said to me at one stage, um, oh, I'll show you after. And I said, no, you won't. I don't care. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't actually no. care. I just want to know how that person is lost. Oh, well, that's brilliant. Thank you. Is there anything you're working on at the minute or that has come, like, what in terms of politics and th- what's happening you just want to share or... No, I'm currently working on the March issue of the Gazette. Okay, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so just trying to get all that together. And it's obviously the March is going to be the month of um, Mothering Sunday. So trying to do a little bit about that. And um, yeah. Because it's Easter, April. So Easter's the April, Easter's later. Easter is the April edition. Yeah. So I, like it's, this is the thing about working on a magazine. You always feel like you're a month ahead of yourself yeah. um, of time. But um, no, politics is, is just 
ordinary at the moment. This, that my elections are every, they're set every five years, so no matter what happens, it'll only be every five years. Ah. Then, yeah, yeah. So I'm going for another another couple. Um, and do you you don't have any of the inside scoop of whenever lockdowns and all left, do you? know that's not. Oh, I wish I did. I, I, know, I wish think I. That you do, do they? Yeah, and my sister, who's the teacher, asks me all the time. <laughs> When are, the, when are we going to be open again? I'm like, I wish I knew. And my mom and dad are like, well, we'll get our vaccines. Yeah, <laughs> so you're like, let me just figure that one out. Have they haven't got theirs yet then, no? No, we're a bit slower down here. Okay. Fortunately, yeah, yeah. And that AstraZeneca one isn't going to be given to over 70s. Ah, I think I only, I learned, I was out for a walk this morning with a friend and she said that, I think it's maybe the same here because my mom is 72 and um she hasn't got hers but the uh, the 50s the 50 to 59 have anyway oh okay yeah because they skipped it and gave that one to the others yeah yeah when is so. she getting it she, she will at some stage i don't know when she hasn't got called yet but um i'm sure she will soon i thought i might as well because i'm technically in the high yeah. risk but we changed surgeries um, and I figure because I had COVID, I've still another month or two. of uh, Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's a six months anyway, isn't six, it, yeah. that you get? And then oh, if yeah. you get it again, it won't be as bad. That's what Michael, Michael, because our son had to self-isolate last week, our eldest one. And so I just shut us all down because the shame yeah. of the first time. And nobody means to shame you, but everybody's like, have I seen you? Did I see you? Oh, shot? stop, I'd say, yeah. So I just was like, they're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. And um it's the beauty of lockdown. I suppose it didn't feel any different, but uh, we were saying that we imagine he maybe already had it before when we had it. Yeah, he might have. Yeah, yeah. And then also uh, he he didn't show any symptoms, but Michael said, hopefully, Al, if you get it, it's not as bad because you had it so bad the last time. But anyway, it is what it is. Yeah. thank you so much i really appreciate you joining um and oh. sharing your wisdom do you so freelance is not for you as well then you would say if you are freelance it's good to be <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's 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 so di- for freelance journalists now it's it's still quite different than when i was doing it because they have to have such big profiles on on social media i think as well don't they they have yeah. to build up their brand yeah. and do all there's a lot it's a lot different, I think. Um, but no, I don't have the self-discipline, mm-hmm. I'm afraid. But that's good. That's that's also indirectly saying you have to know yourself and know what works for you, isn't it? Yeah. Because you say no self-discipline, but you also have two jobs. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, know, I mean, I yeah, I don't I don't have the, yeah, it's a different kind of discipline, I guess. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally have the discipline to get my work done. But, yeah. Um, but it's about, you have to enjoy your work, I think. Yeah. Um, if you're, you know, going to be successful at it. I think you have to really enjoy it um, to meet your deadlines. You know, if you're if you enjoy something and to meet your deadline is, is part of the exactly. you know it's not gonna it's not gonna cause you too much stress, I think. And lastly before we go, do you enjoy social media? Do you feel like that is uh how have you seen that change the landscape of journalism, everything and politics? Um and- do I enjoy it? Um that election that I worked on in 2011 really put me off social media in a big way, I have to say. And in the role that I had for years working on the other side of it. So for, you know, but I have to do it. I do it for work. I do it for, for um, you know, it's, it's just a necessary evil, but I don't love it. I do like Instagram. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm the same though. But I think people find it surprising that I don't I don't love it. I don't feel yeah. like I need to because you know what back in the day whenever there wasn't everybody didn't have their own personal Instagram and their own mm-hmm. own TV show. You know, everyone has their stories. I I feel like that people thought oh you're mad you're and I would have had the boys on there but not necessarily their face the tiny ones whenever they were tiny maybe yeah but um I I always find it funny because I feel like you don't actually really know what I do like I know what I share because it's yeah. part of my yeah. work and what I do but it's amazing how it's changed now and it's definitely a more open it's a bigger catchment and I do think you find which social platform you like and it's an Instagram totally. It's definitely Instagram for me, and um, all my friends are mad about TikTok now. I'm I know. Not, well, there's not doing stuff. anything. It's already, it. Yeah, it's all yeah. uh, the movement. Just kind of watching everybody else, but I, I, I just, especially on Twitter, like I haven't been subjected to anything really, but I've seen what good friends of mine, the abuse that they've had, mm-hmm. um, on on Twitter in particular, just because they are politicians, mm-hmm. and these are. These are friends, these are like men and women our age who are just doing a job, who have families of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just people think that they can just say whatever they like. And it's yeah, it's, and often as well, it's not even about the person. I, I had one pretty bad experience, but it was COVID because people hate COVID. Yeah. And I went on, I saw the article had been shared, and it just happened to get picked up by like the European papers the Scottish papers there's some of the 24-hour worldwide ones so it was quite like big article um unfortunately not about my art it was just about me having COVID oh. but it was because I had shared a blog post and they picked up on this blog post about it and I was so excited to see it I said oh it's out it's out and underneath just on Twitter alone the abuse and but I had to just stop because I actually got to the point where I was like, they're actually fighting amongst themselves, like people and the banter about, yeah, yeah, that's all about me. And oh, she had the flu. Oh, yeah, she's never had the flu before. And oh I'm just God. picking apart. But it is, um, I, it, that's the sad thing about social media is that everybody's an expert. Everybody has an opinion and everybody yeah. wants their opinion heard. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's knowing how you navigate that, and as you say, putting things in place to filter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and your own, uh, your own, uh, your own filter as well to turn it off at, at yeah. ten o'clock or do whatever you have to do to, you know, keep it out of the reach of the kids and that's that kind of thing. That's that's what I that's what I really yeah. fear, Ali. That's my fear in life now is mm-hmm. my kids being on social media. I really, you know, I and really the, and the, the whole thing of the bullying or anything like that doesn't stop at the school gates when they have these phones oh, no. and all the social, but. I suppose it's just educating them. I don't really yeah. know. Um, our son dropped his, um, he'd be so cross at me telling anyone, but he, he dropped his phone into water um, and it's totally gone. So, but I, I yeah, he, he didn't really care. And then he came back with, can I use my birthday money for the phone? And then can I get Snapchat? But I don't actually know Snapchat, so... But he also doesn't care enough. I don't know whether it's a girl thing or I don't know whether I don't want to be gender specific, but he certainly doesn't care too much about his phone. But he could sit on social or no, on football, football chat yeah. all day. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a mindset like yours do and do painting. They're dreadful. They just paint oh, the walls. Well, like I said, that's the that's the 
one bit that I've shared. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen the rest when they're hiding <laughs> under the table and kicking each other in the head. <laughs> and she kicks better than he does. She's the second though, isn't she? So that's why She's I think second, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'll let you get back to everything. I really appreciate having you on here and you giving up Sorry. your time. Not at all. An absolute pleasure. Thanks, yeah. Ali. And look after yourself. And where can people find you then? Or what route would you want them to have your Twitter? Oh, um, yeah. Well, my, my, it's Emma Blaine is, is every, I think everything. So Emma Blaine on Twitter, uh, ML Blaine on Instagram. B-L-A-I-N. Yeah, that's it. Um, but the Gazette it's where they want to go as well that's right because it's just coi isn't it um gazette yeah yeah and facebook as well so um brilliant yeah okay well have a good day thanks ali thank you thanks so much for tuning in today if you enjoyed the episode i would really appreciate some feedback or for you to hit subscribe so that you get all the content every week in your inbox And if you would like to check out my website, it's alihart.com, especially if you were thinking about needing some mentoring sessions because I have openings coming up in the summer. Thanks for watching and listening, and I will see you on the other side.